0: Welcome to the More Great Seats for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lazinski, Director of Communications at the SUNY Charter Schools Institute. Each episode explores the authorizing processes, standards, and best practices that create an environment where strong public schools can take root and thrive. Today's guest is Aaron Allen, Senior Analyst at the Institute and Primary Author on the new white paper, Accelerated Learning and Practice, Promising Practices from the SUNY Charter Schools 2021-22 Visit Season. For schools seeking to mitigate interrupted instruction as a result of the pandemic, this is a can't-miss episode. The paper is now available on our website, newyorkcharters.org. Enjoy the episode. Erin, thank you very much for joining us here today.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, we're uh, really excited for you to join us to dig into the Institute's new white paper, uh, Accelerated Learning and Practice, uh, we've had hundreds of downloads so far, so people seem to be pretty interested in this topic. Um, before we do begin, though, I want to just give credit to some of the other team members who contributed to the paper, uh, including uh, Katie Clayton, Vicki Masseuse, and Andrew Kyle. I know they put a lot of hard work in as well, so I want to recognize that.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was definitely a team effort.
0: All right, good. So let's get into the white paper. Um, You know, starting off, what led the Institute to explore the topic of accelerated learning in this white paper?
1: Well, Mike, we know that due to the pandemic, instruction was interrupted multiple times due to school closures, family illness, and other interruptions just due to the tumult that the pandemic caused. And this really exacerbated the achievement gap for all students across the country, but particularly those who are traditionally underserved. So some early data suggests that students are now more than four months behind in math and three months behind in reading and writing. And really we wanted to zoom in on different strategies, specifically strategies that accelerate learning to get students performing at or as close to grade level as quickly as possible. Uh, so that students can be equipped for any future career academic future that they choose to pursue. So really we have a position as at the Institute to be able to observe dozens of academic programs and interview teachers and leaders from those schools each year. And we're lucky enough to see at about 10,000 feet, what seems to be working and what isn't. And given that everyone is really urgently searching for strategies and solutions to address learning loss, we wanted to share some of the promising practices we've observed over the last year or so.
0: That's good. So so how was the, the data collected?
1: Uh, So this was definitely a qualitative study. Uh, Charters submit documents as part of their renewal process and the institute uh, team will conduct interviews, classroom observations, and review those documents in detail. So we really took a qualitative approach uh, where we took a closer look at the strategies that charters were self-reporting most often. And we looked through our interview transcripts and the submitted documentation for school visits, um, specifically for schools who were historically high performing before the pandemic. Uh, and we kind of took a year uh, from about fall 2021 to fall 2022 to take a look at these different strategies at scale.
0: And I think one of the things is good is, you know, the SUNY charters are really diverse.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Something that I, uh, that keeps me enthusiastic about the charter model is that charters are pro- provided the autonomy to deliver different style academic programs and we really wanted to celebrate that here and highlight charters of various sizes and models. So we highlight uh, Lion, Bella and Dream and Coney Island Prep. Uh, so they are serving different grade bands of students in different areas of the five boroughs. And we really wanted to be able to take a look at, you know, what is a single entity school like Bella doing versus what a small network such as Dream might be doing.
0: That's great, because I I really, me personally, I think that's what makes SUNY charters uh, so special is really that diversity. I mean, we have skills, schools that serve specific themes like music or the environment or agriculture or nursing. You know, we have you know, students that are you know, homeless or in foster care. We have schools that serve students with autism, IB programs, CTE programs. So it really is something for everyone. So it's good you were to be able to kind of dive into exploring the, the, the different practices at each one of these schools. Um, right.
1: And they were all impacted by the pandemic and so all needed to take different strategies to address some of that interrupted instruction.
0: So are we proposing solutions, best practices?
1: Yeah, to be clear, we only have very early data on student performance post pandemic. So really, as a part of this project, we wanted to identify promising practices. Because, and we were able to identify these as promising because the charter's internal assessments indicated strong initial growth. Uh, and many of the practices though updated to meet the needs of students now were successful pre-pandemic. So again, these are exciting uh, and definitely don't cover the whole universe of everything that might work.
0: So let's talk about some of those, uh, some of those strategies. Uh, There was four outlined in the paper itself. Uh, Number one, leveraging adaptive learning technology. Two, engaging in flexible curricula. Uh, Three, uh, social and emotional learning. And four, family communication and engagement. Can you provide like a brief description of of each of those so we get better understanding?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So when we discuss leveraging adaptive learning technology, we're really referring to a strategy that involves deploying a school-wide software program, or Set of software programs that are able to diagnose students' understanding and provide individualized practice based on their specific needs. Um, so this really looks like students being able to log into a software program. It goes through a test that identifies what students need and then tailors sets of practice specific to their misunderstandings and their areas of growth. And then we also talk about engaging in flexible curricula. So before the pandemic, most schools had clear curricular programs. But the unpredictable nature of school closures and remote learning really, really reinforced for schools that curricula needed to be a source of routine and predictability for students and teachers. The materials also needed to be engaging and relevant to compete for students attention when there were so many other things going on in the background during remote learning. So when we discuss the curriculum in this paper, uh, and specifically as it relates to accelerated learning we're really considering how schools updated materials to support learning in this new educational landscape. I think the third strategy was also social-emotional learning. Uh, And this involved really developing and implementing the supports and strategies for students and teachers alike to cope with the various uh, social-emotional needs that may present barriers to daily instruction and learning and also enhance the learning environment to foster intellectual risk and debate. A common narrative and a lot of data we're seeing now shows that interrupted instruction and the pandemic caused a lot of trauma for students. And it became clear that schools couldn't function in isolation from that trauma. And so specifically implementing strategies to support students in communicating their needs and how they're feeling supported learning in a lot of environments. And lastly, we highlighted parent and family engagement. Again, this was evident pre-pandemic, but during the context of unpredictable learning and remote learning, it was necessary for parents and caretakers uh, to participate and be full partners in the work of education. And schools that were most successful and have some promising early results have strong systems for two-way communication that support students in learning in and out of the traditional classroom.
0: I mean, that's great. And I think the the strength of the white paper is, you know, you're not only describing these individual strategies, you're providing some really clear cut examples of schools that are, you know, deploying these strategies and, and the kind of benefits that they're seeing when it comes to trying to uh, mitigate that inter- uh, interrupted instruction.
1: Mm, yeah, I think the, the listeners can't see it. But as you're talking, I'm nodding a lot. And I think that This really resonates for me because I think when there's so much tumult and uncertainty in the world, it's natural for us to crave a single solution or a single path forward and place our bets on that. And this is especially true when we're exhausted and burnt out like so many teachers and school leaders are after the pandemic. In reality, though, there's risk that a poorly implemented intervention can exacerbate frustration and lead to new problems. And any school leader can really relate to this if they've ever tried to implement what they thought was a relatively simple change. Uh, And they met a lot of resistance from teachers, parents, students, board members, and the community. So really kind of back to your initial point about the do's and don'ts of these strategies, our, our goal was really to support leaders in planning for interventions that of course supported accelerated learning, but also kept the needs of students and teachers at the forefront. And one way to do this was to explicitly flag some of the shortcomings of each strategy for readers so they could account for some of the negative impacts uh, and plan for them as best as possible.
0: You know, one other thing I really love about this paper is the fact that uh, you, know, you focus uh, on the future. Uh, you write about professional development, about strategic planning, about vision setting. Um, But also the importance of just supporting teachers, you know, those have been on the front lines throughout the pandemic and we'll be on the front lines moving forward as we get, you know, students back on solid footing.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, When I think about, you know, education as a whole and ourselves as educators, and when we ask each other and when we ask our students what we remember most about their time in school, the answer often centers on that one teacher or that one individual that cared for them and gave special attention. Uh, and, like you said, moving forward, teachers are on the front lines of a lot of this work. And, you know, teachers are now leaving the profession at an unprecedented rate. And it's not just teachers in their first couple of years, as was the case previously, uh, it's teachers at all points in their career. And to me, this turnover represents lost opportunities to leave a positive impact on a child. So, at the Charter Schools Institute, We as a team and the SUNY trustees are really interested in supporting schools and identifying ways to attract teachers to the profession and keep them in the role. And we recognize that for leaders in the school building, navigating the tension between having high expectations of teachers to accelerate learning and also valuing the feedback that teachers are providing has always been a challenge and their intention often. In the schools that experienced the lowest amounts of turnover, leaders were transparent with their staff, and they actively and regularly sought feedback from teachers, particularly before a big change was rolled out. Now, the schools with the highest teacher retention don't always have the highest academic outcomes, but I think that there's something really amazing happening in schools with fantastic academic outcomes and high teacher retention, and that's what I hope we can explore next.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's pretty exciting. Uh, looking forward to that paper now too.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, so uh, any final thoughts, uh, you know, any big takeaways, or, you know, why it's so important for schools to read this paper before we go.
1: Definitely. I think I just going back to thinking about the do's and the don'ts, I think we just want to celebrate all the hard work that our schools are doing and share with the larger community about strategies that charters are self-reporting are successful for them and moving the needle forward. Uh, but just, encouraging leaders to think about the story that they want to tell and the and the information that supports the decisions they make. And so um, we're all working hard and students and teachers need that support. And I think that hopefully these strategies can give them some support and affirmation that what they're doing is on the right track.
0: Great. Yeah. Thank you very much. I I just want to encourage our listeners, if you want to read the actual white paper itself, you can go to our website, newyorkcharters.org. Uh we have a section for white papers. You can download it from there. So uh Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here today.
1: Thanks, Mike.